Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Welcome to the Engaging Mission Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. All right, let's get started. Our guest today has been on the show before. While he was here, he shared about planting churches and multiplying disciples in Myanmar or Burma, and through the discipleship practices he followed and God's amazing power, he's seen tens of thousands of people come to Christ and be baptized. He's seen tremendous breakthroughs among Buddhist background believers. Now he's based primarily in the U.S., but I reached out to him a couple of months ago when I discovered he was heading to Nepal for some relief efforts. It took us those couple of months to connect because of his travel schedule and my schedule, but he just returned from a trip that included Malaysia, Myanmar, and Bangladesh a couple of days ago. And I'm really excited to have Jay Judson on the line. Jay, welcome back to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, Jay, the last time you were on, we spent a, a little bit of time getting to know you, and so I don't necessarily want to repeat what, what we've already done, but some of our listeners probably haven't ever heard from you before. So we'll get into your, your recent travels in a few minutes, but I'd like to connect with you as a person and a minister first. So can, can you give us a really brief rundown of what you do, what your ministry is? Yeah, I uh, do a lot of church planting movement trainings, uh, primarily in Myanmar, but also around the world and here in North Carolina and Tennessee, where I'm from originally. And I coach those people that I train to continue on. They can have sustainable church planting movements in their areas or the culture that God's led them to uh, focus on. And uh, we just uh, developed a lot of uh, materials that I've learned from the, uh, the best practices of the people that I train, especially in Myanmar with this guy named the Major. And he uh, he's developed something I call the lawyer's method because um, he's a lawyer and a former Air Force major. And uh, to share the gospel with Buddhist people very effectively, we've seen at least 42,000 Buddhists come to Christ and been baptized. And it's, uh, it's a rarity to find or really a best practice among Buddhists. So we've also seen breakthroughs among Muslims. We're working with the Rohingya people. About 2 million Rohingyas live in uh, western Myanmar. They are spreading all around the world right now because they've been uh, persecuted, the most oppressed people on the planet, according to the United Nations. They 30,000 of them have fled to uh, surrounding countries in the past six months. Um, there's been all over the news about what's going on with the Rohingya situation. There's been mass graves found along the Thai Burmese, uh, the Thai Malaysian border of uh, Rohingyas that have tried to f- uh, flee, but they're they're uh, 
human trafficking. Uh, people have tortured them and, and killed them, and it's just been incredible, you know, to, to, to work with this this ethnic group to see in such fruit. Wow. Now, I know that on your your most recent trip, you went to a few different countries, mm-hmm. um, and then the trip before that, you went to Nepal. Were both of those trips uh, around these discipleship practices and church planting and maybe some following up and training, or was, was some of that also relief effort? What, what was going on there? Uh, I just was uh, just struck by what happened in Nepal. I had a friend that had lived there for a really long time named Jeff Sundell, and so I was trying to raise uh, awareness and raise funds for his networks there in Nepal. And uh, all of a sudden, God spoke through my wife and said, you probably should go there. Hmm. And I'm like, Actually, he spoke through my, my friend in Israel first, Sean Stegbeck, and he, <laughs> through yeah. Sean's wife saying the same thing. And then my friend in India, his wife said to him, uh, you probably should go to uh, Nepal and help out. So all of our, the Holy Spirit spoke to all of our wives <laughs> and led us there. For some reason, I had no idea, but it was just a tragedy was going on. And we I, we got to help out. We were led by the, by the Lord to a personal peace in a primarily Buddhist village. There in Nepal, in Sindhupalchok uh, district, and just saw tremendous devastation, this uh, 7.8 earthquake. And then I got to experience a 7.4 earthquake. So that was an eye-opener. Yeah. I think that on your your most recent trip, I think I remember seeing something about you being injured a little bit. And for people, you know, especially visiting in a developing country and needing some medical care, that can be kind of scary. Does anything scare you? Uh, not giving Jesus the glory that he deserves. <laughs> that puts it all in perspective, doesn't and, it? Um, yeah, and, and stealing what is his. Okay. So in the same vein, traveling to Myanmar or some other country that requires, we'll call it creative access, there are some risks involved. Do you consider yourself a risky person? Yeah, I I, uh, I believe that, uh, you know, every person is going to see a movement. You have to take risk. But uh, Jesus, uh, every you know, you attempt great things for God, you, then you should expect. You have every right to expect great things from God. And uh, I stepped off the airplane for uh, in the same place for 13 years of my life, declaring that this place belongs to Jesus. And mm. uh, I was shocked and overjoyed when uh turned the corner 200 feet from the tarmac where i put my foot down and said this is the place belongs to jesus we have a new church started among range of people oh, that's awesome <laughs> and uh it was absolutely incredible and i just started laughing and just full of the spirit you know joyful when uh when i saw that this what a guy had done literally just a stone's throw from where i put my foot and in joshua chapter one verse three says every place that you step your foot will be yours just as I've said to Moses. And uh, that's, I, I didn't believe that God would actually literally, you know, bring it to pass. Yeah. Uh, the last time you were here, I think you shared John 3.30 as uh, kind of a life verse for you. I must decrease, he must increase. Uh, is there a, another key scripture in your life? Yeah, Luke 10, uh, just Jesus says, go find a person of peace. When you find that person of peace, then you go on their turf and you start the kingdom of God comes on their turf. And that is a that passage, that scripture is a complete paradigm shift away from the come to come to us mentality of most ministries and most churches, because it's God's grace going into the dark places. Okay, and I think now I guess this is kind of more tuned toward your ministry. But since the last time you were on the show, has there been any shift, any kind of change in the in your ministry and what you're doing? 
Uh, yeah, we've started to see a lot more signs and wonders and people get healed. I'm personally am seeing a lot more people get healed. And uh, God has just graciously gifted me with uh, the knowledge now of understanding uh, how to see this happen more and more through my friend Sean in Israel. And it just ruined me even more than I was already ruined by, by Dr. George Patterson with the vision for church multiplication. But um, God's just turning up the notch. We've seen uh, thousands of uh, at least 4,500 uh, Rohingyas baptized inside Myanmar there. Now it's spread even more to the surrounding countries. And um, God's just uh, doing incredible things. We had a, an assessor uh, named Dr. Bill Smith kind of came in and gave us some training to, to uh, you know, balance out some of the weaknesses. Uh, he came in last October. As soon as he noticed a few things that we needed to tweak with our networks, and uh, we had an opportunity to, uh, to uh, make a new film with uh, YWAM's uh, Create International with uh, – they came in and did a new film called The Golden City. It'll be out on a website soon. And so those, some of the things that were imbalanced, we got to address immediately, like I said. So, so it seems like there's probably something connected to the Golden City. I, I know that yep. in, um, in the Muslim belief, there's something about a, a garden. I think that in Hindu and the, in the Sikhs, I was talking to somebody last night, and there's kind of a Golden City thing going on there. Can you share a little bit about why the Golden City? Yep. Um, that's the major bridge that we've seen to the, the biggest barrier for Buddhists to not understand the gospel is the idea of where we are going. Mm. Um, Judson uh, was a very good translator, but it was a very direct translation. Adoniram Judson who lived in Myanmar, was one of the first American missionaries sent out from the U.S. And it's a very direct translation. So Jesus is the way to the sky is how he has translated it. And it just really doesn't communicate a place of no more sin and no more suffering to a Buddhist, according to my, my friend, the major. Mm -hmm. And so we just, we just want to amplify that, that Jesus wants to take you to a place where there's no more sin and no more suffering. And the way that Buddhists explain that in Burma is the golden city of Nirvana. Okay. And so we've really made that our bridge. And some people say, well, not, Nirvana means annihilation, but no, it's a city. And so uh, Create International came in and helped us. We just want to blow this picture up of a city of gold floating on a cloud that all Buddhists uh, know that that's where they're supposed to go. And they all understand that, that image. And so we're just making that. We're just, I'm just trying to propel that image everywhere and get and start conversations about, do you know the place? Do you know, do you know the way to this place where there's no more sin and no more suffering? Wow. Isn't it interesting that there's a, a bridge from nearly, well, probably every major religion to yes. to, to the gospel? His fingerprints are everywhere. His, he has not left himself without a witness. There is no excuse for people, you know, to say, well, I didn't, because he's talking to them all the time. My father is always at work. Wow. Jesus said. Yeah. So I, I didn't expect to get into that discussion quite so quickly, but I think yeah. it's great. Um We've, we've spent a little bit of time focusing on you, and we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to focus a little bit more on the trips that you've recently taken in your ministry, those kind of things. Okay. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. Hi, this is Scott McClelland here with your Leadership Minute. And uh, just wanted to touch base on some information I've recently come upon. I'm reading a new book on leadership, which is uh, titled Leadership by James McGregor Burns. Really good book. Uh, I'm surprised that I hadn't found it uh, before now, but I think it was originally printed maybe in the 70s. Solid book, and I'm just in the prologue. I'm already being challenged pretty well. 
One of the things he notes is that leadership is one of the most observed and least understood phenomenon on the earth. That is a big statement, and I think it's also likely true. There's a lot of observation, a lot of people um, who are weighing in on this subject of leadership. But there may not be that many people who are actually attempting to understand it. I think it's important for us to understand what leadership is so that we uh, can participate in it in a responsible way. Abuse is the uh, outcome of a lack of understanding of leadership, both on the leading side and on the constituent side. So I want to adjure you this uh, week to do what you can to dig into the subject of leadership. Understand what is this all about? You're going to find good materials uh, mixed around with a lot of materials that aren't probably very good in the form of books and also in spoken uh, dialogue or teachings. So I want to encourage you. And I want to also encourage you to ask the Lord who is committed to you to be your leader, to lead you and to explain to you what leadership's really all about. Again, this is Scott McClellan. Thanks a lot for joining us for the Leadership Minute. If you'd like to contact me or us, please do so at fxmissions.com or on most social media at fxmissions. This has been the Engaging Missions Leadership Minute. If you have a leadership question, send it to feedback at engagingmissions.com. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we're back with Jay Judson. And when we left, we were talking with him about himself and a little bit that's going on with his ministry. Now we're going to take a little bit of a shift and we're going to focus specifically on some of the recent trips that he's taken. Um, because I think that as he shares some of these stories, that we're going to see God's fingerprints like he was talking about all over what's been going on. Now, Jay, I, I know a little bit about what I've seen in terms of what's going on with the news and social media and, you know, all of the earthquakes that were in Nepal. I know that that stuff was devastating. You mentioned, I think it was a 7.8 and then a 7.4. People lost their homes and people lost their lives. And I believe all this stuff is true, but you had boots or perhaps flip-flops on the ground. Can you bring us <laughs> to the ground level? What was going on? We uh, stepped off the airplane, didn't see that much damage there in Kathmandu, in the valley of Kathmandu, got out to, the uh, Lord led us to an area where the UN says was the least affected, got there, and it ended up being the most affected area called Sindhupalchok. Uh, 90% of Sindhupalchok are Tamang Buddhists, uh, Tibetan Buddhists, and um, off the road, 30% of the country of Nepal lives, third, lives, lives two hours off the main road. And so we went off to the main road led by the Lord hmm. to, um, to a person of peace. Jesus said, find a person of peace. They will invite you in. And that's exactly what uh, the Lord led us to do. Um, I was there with uh, my friend, uh, Pastor Randy Matthews, and my friend Sean Stegbeck from Israel. We had Australians come and join us. We had Israelis. Indians and uh, and I was the lone Tennessean there and, <laughs> and um, had just had two teams coming in and we treated about four thousand patients the medical teams that came in from India uh, and and 
just saw God's hand uh, move, you know, his love was screaming to these villagers. You know, it, it was crystal clear to them. When they came up and hugged us, they were so thankful. We didn't say hardly anything about, you know, come to Jesus. It wasn't about that. It was just the love of Jesus. But we kept going back to the same place. And now so many more people are so hungry for the gospel there in this past uh, three or four months. Uh, we built, uh, we, we built up. Uh, we built the six uh, shelters, temporary shelters. Pastor Randy Matthews, his house church network of eight thousand house churches with eight hundred thousand believers in their network in India, uh, took up an offering of seven thousand dollars on one Sunday. Wow! And sent these teams uh, to Nepal because God said go, and um, it was incredible. They were the most effective short-term mission team I've ever witnessed in, thir- in my. 20 years of uh, mission experience, and they already have a large network of house churches among Nepali people. So the plan is, the long-term plan is to keep coming in, bring these Nepali people who have lived in India for a long time hmm. through Nepal, and um, and just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an explosion. It already has been of, of good news going out. So you mentioned this was the most effective short-term missions team that you've ever seen in 20-plus yeah. 20, 20 years. Can you share with us yeah. what made them the most effective? Uh, New Life City team, the New Life City movement, they already had the whole training for fighting a person of peace. They already had that paradigm shift uh, of, of you know, starting house churches, and, and every person you lead to Christ is a potential church, and it's a multi- multiplying movement. They already had that mindset. They already had, they were just the hands of Jesus there. They were, worship, were worshiping every night, sleeping out in the tents. I lived, slipped up in a tent uh, for a week. We um, just, uh, we got to experience a 7.4 earthquake. Yeah. Uh, we all were in a restaurant on the side of a cliff, very high up in the, in the Himalaya Mountains, got out of the restaurant, got into the van, and all of a sudden, everything outside started to shake. By the time I realized what was going on, everybody else uh, realized what was going on, and we started shouting, get out of the van. I could not open up the door, Brian. I was like trying to open up the door. The door would not open. It was stuck. Hmm. And all the urge within me was to run away from that cliff as fast as I could and just... Uh, just more devastation happened. We saw a lot of homes fall. Uh, dust was flying everywhere. I mean, immediately was a, was a traffic jam on the road. Everybody was stopping, and and we were still just standing there like a, on a uh, surfboard with our hands out, you know, trying to just stay uh, stay uh, standing. Yeah, pretty exciting. I don't know that exciting is the word I would use if I was involved with that, but <laughs> I certainly understand. It was exciting letter. It was frightening at the time. For yeah, sure. no kidding. Um, you know, I wasn't thinking I was going to get into this because I know that some people have some feelings about supernatural healing and things like that. And I don't necessarily, well, I didn't necessarily want to offend people, but at the same time, I want oh, to give God glory for the things that he's done, right? They got a problem. With, they got a problem with Jesus healing people, then they need to be offended. So, <laughs> um, so you know, I know you and I know Sean, and so I believe the stories that I've heard. So can you share with us a little bit? We're not necessarily trying to create a woo-woo story there here. Was a, there was a lady that uh, I was praying over. I saw. We, I personally saw a lot of people get healed. Before they went into the medical uh, team's uh, tents, uh, we prayed for them, and we offered healing prayer. So we not just did the you know the physical healing and mm-hmm. taking care of all these wounds. A lot of them were secondary wounds from stepping on nails and, and broken pieces. But we saw people just their older older people, or they were just tr- completely traumatized by the earthquakes that just kept happening, just kept happening. And mm-hmm. they were so afraid of going back in their homes. And this one lady, uh, she had an idol on her neck, and it was an, om- an, an om- amulet. Mm-hmm. And I, I said, can you just take that off, you know, because I prayed for a couple of times and she wasn't healed. And she took it off. And when she took that off, Brian, she took that thing and ripped it off her neck and 
threw it on the ground, like hard. Like, this ain't no use to me anymore. <laughs> when she did that, I was like, lady, I'm going to pray really good for you now. Because she was, <laughs> she was so full of faith, and, and, I, and she got healed. You know? <laughs> I'll never forget the way she grabbed that and just yanked that off of her neck. Just broke it off, that bondage off of her. Wow. Because of Jesus' power and his love. So, so what kinds of things did you see people healed of? Uh, we saw, uh, uh, well, I was right next to uh, Sean when he was praying for this uh, young Hindu girl, and uh, a minority of the people in the area were Hindu, and, and she had a very painful, very obvious cavity in her mouth. And mm. when he prayed over her, uh, the whole medical team witnessed it because we're standing right there at the entrance of the medical tent, and it, it went away right in front of our eyes over a like five-minute period, maybe a three-minute period, and uh, it, was, it, it literally disappeared, and everybody was just like enamored with you know, the power of God right there. And um, I saw a lady, uh, her eye was, uh, she was uh, blonde in, in her left eye. I prayed over her, and she received uh, 80% of her sight back in her, in her left eye. So I was super excited about that, and God is so good. Wow. So you're reminding me now of the Gospels where Jesus says that these things will follow those who believe, you know, that the blind will receive their sight and all of those things. I, I, think that's, I think that's wonderful. As I'm thinking yeah. about this, this person of peace, and I guess we're probably going to have to move off of Nepal in a minute because we'll want to talk about your other trip, but um, what kinds of things did you see God doing in the life and through the life of this person of peace? Um, through which person of peace? I think you, you said that there was a particular village God led you to. Oh, just, uh, just the family there that just completely opened up. They, God brought us, uh, through pastor Randy Matthews. We were kind of frustrated. We didn't know which way to go. And, and I got a great photo of Randy on, on his knees praying to God. And all of a sudden God brought this person within three minutes and led us down the mountain to this, this very, very uh, needy village that nobody had gone to named Kalari. And uh, it was just amazing. Now they're really hungry for the gospel, and they see the love of Jesus. We're not there to try to, you know, make them Christians first. Right. We're just trying to show the love of God and just wait and see where he's, where he's the doors that he's opening up. And um, that's, that's the way Jesus said to do it. And, and are, there, are there still needs? There are tremendous needs. We, we want to rebuild uh, at least 10 uh, homes, and uh, each home costs about $3,000 each. Um, you know, so it's just, uh, it's in Randy Matthews. He has the uh, long-term vision there and their church, their network of churches is going to see breakthroughs, I believe. Okay. So if somebody wanted to be involved in that, is what, what would they need to do? How can they get involved? Uh, they can give through, uh, my organization is called, uh, C10. Um, if you look up Nepal needs and put, put, uh, J Jay's name, then it will go, it will go to those places. Okay, and c ten dot org. And if yeah. I if I include a link with the uh, the show notes, would that be fine? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, excellent. And for for those listening, those links will be in the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash j judson two. That'd be the number two because we've already got another interview with him. In in the interest of time, I'd like to move on to the time that the more recent trip where you went to Bangladesh and to Myanmar, and I think you went to a number of other places. I can't remember them all. As you were on that trip, did you see? Is, is the church there strong? Is it is it functioning properly? Is it doing what the church should be doing? The the new believers among the Rohingya, they don't know much, but they know who Jesus is, and they know what Jesus wants them to do. And they are, they are calling people to repent and believe the good news of Jesus and to follow him alone and to cry out to him that he is their father. And uh, the Rohingyas are stateless, a stateless people. Hmm. They have no country, but we have the honor and the privilege to tell them that there is a king who loves you. 
and he has a citizenship for you waiting for you. All you have to do is call out on his name and repent and believe in him and follow him, and he will save you. And they are, in mass numbers of them, returning to Christ. And through this uh, guy, I call him um, Brother Sam. Mm-hmm. It's not his real name. It's like two names removed from his real name. <laughs> he is, uh, he's an apostle to his people. He's an apostolic leader to his people. And just a, a breakthrough we've seen among the ranges is beautiful. And it came by the mouth and by the hands of the Rakhine people. Not all the Rakhine people are evil. And mm-hmm. there's been ethnic fighting between the Rakhine and the Buddhist, the Rakhine Buddhists and the Rohingya Muslims there uh, since June 2012. And at least, what my estimate, 7,000 people have died. Uh, 30, like I said, 30,000 have fled to uh, neighboring countries on, on boats in the past uh, uh, six months. And uh, just there's been mass graves found, and it's just, mm-hmm. just uh, incredible. The U.N. says that they're the most oppressed people in the world. So as a believer here in the U.S., if I'm hearing about this and, you know, it's connecting with me emotionally and spiritually, for me personally, I know that God hasn't called me to go and minister to those people. But if I wanted to be involved... What what can I do? Uh, you can come to Myanmar with me oh. and see what God's doing, and you're welcome to come and and get training on on uh, you know as we go training on uh, how to jumpstart movements and how to train these people effectively, where they just know who Jesus is and what Jesus wants them to do, and to form you know what is a church and what is a what is a shepherd you know do, and it's very simple and just telling Bible stories and a really fun and and sometimes we do dramas and. Um, Learning to, to to express the Word of God in ways other than just monologue preaching in sermons, but, you know, interactive, participatory, uh, small groups, small house churches that multiply. As you look over the, the relationships that you've formed over the, the past decades and the fruitfulness God's given, what are you the most thankful for? Uh, that, that God led me to this man called the Major. I didn't have to learn the language perfectly. He already spoke English. Thank God for the British Empire who spread the <laughs> English language around. And I got to take a very big shortcut my first, my second year of being a, a, a missionary there in the wonderful land of Myanmar, the very the poorest, the second poorest country in Asia after Afghanistan. God led me to this guy named the Major. He's now eighty years old. He's not afraid of anybody arresting him or killing him. He's like, well, I'm, I'm near the Golden City anyway, and he. <laughs> <laughs> just doing simple church with him in his house and just breaking down church to where, where it was so easily reproducible that anybody could do it. And then asking him, you know, just to put on some ways that, uh, how can we help Buddhist people feel comfortable worshiping Jesus in their home? And just seeing a new expression of the gospel come out of that one family, a family with a mission, FWAM. If I ever had an organization, I would start it called, I would call it FWAM, Families with a Mission. And, um, <laughs> So it's uh, this one family has seen this breakthrough. They are kind, but they are seeing a breakthrough among their Muslim neighbors. It's very beautiful to see the, the the body of Christ raised up in the midst of all this ethnic conflict. In Matthew chapter twenty four, verse fourteen, is happening. And while nations rising against nation, this gospel of the kingdom is being preached to all the nations. Hmm. And at the same time, the world's ending. The good news is going out, and his mission is being accomplished. So as you were talking, it just struck me. I'd never thought about the the challenge it must be for somebody who's Buddhist and they've been raised to where, you know, you, you have the temple and that's where a lot of the, the spiritual things happen to then uh, basically hosting God in your home. Can yeah. is, is there, 
Is there a way that they walk through that process? What's going on in their minds when they start to make that shift and follow Christ? Yeah, I just asked them, how can we help Buddhist people feel comfortable worshiping Jesus? And they they immediately, you know, got this um, bell and uh, said it was an, this bell was available in every altar of every Buddhist home. And so they strike struck the bell in the name of the Buddha, the Dharma. Hmm. And the Sangha, the priesthood of the Buddhist, and and I said, well, how should we change it? I kind of already knew the answer to the question. And they said, well, we strike it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. And that kind of transformed that meeting into a, a religious meeting. And every Buddhist, when they hear that bell being struck by people who are professed Christians, they are very interested. Wow, I bet. Can you, can you share a little bit more about that, what, what interests them and what, what they're thinking when they hear that? Uh, it means that uh, they, I asked them, I said, what, what does it mean when you hear that? And they said, well, uh, when we hear that bell being struck, that means you're talking to a good spirit. Uh, when you hear people praying and they're not, you're not hearing that bell associated with their prayers, they're probably talking to a, a, a evil spirit. Mm. Yeah, there you go. I, I never would have thought about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, just to kind of tie a bow on this, this section before we move on to the next one, I'm, I'd like to know, and I think I know the answer, but I want, I want to hear from you. What is it that fuels your passion as you do this? Just the glory of Jesus, his name, his fame being honored, and people who, you know, they, they, they say, Jesus who? <laughs> you get to tell them about him, and they just, they're just like falling in love with him, you know? It's, it's really beautiful. That's great. See somebody fall in love with Jesus, who, who just a few weeks or a few months earlier had never even heard his name. Wow. Yeah, that, that does sound exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. So with that, we are going to take another really quick break. We've been talking about your ministry. When we come back, we're going to shift our focus to the listener, because even though you've been offering all kinds of insight and resources and things like that, we want to shift and focus specifically on them. So we'll be right back. I'm constantly looking for ways to increase the value of the Engaging Missions show, and if you're looking for a way to get involved, I'm looking to expand the Engaging Missions team. Right now, I'm looking for help in two areas, research and show notes. Both of those areas would be on an as-needed basis, flexing based on the recording and publishing schedule. You'd need to have strong written communication skills, a heart for the body of Christ, and you'd need to be discreet because some of our guests need that discretion. If you're interested or you know somebody who might be a great fit for the Engaging Missions team, send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com so we can start the conversation. Again, that's feedback at engagingmissions.com. All right, we're back. We have Jay Judson here with us today. We've been talking about some of the stuff that's been going on in Nepal and on a recent trip to Bangladesh and to Myanmar and to a whole bunch of other places. We've also talked a little bit about his life, but now we're going to shift our focus to you as the listener because um, God has been working in Jay's life. Uh, Jay has insight and all kinds of things like that, and so we'd like to learn from him. Uh, Jay, as we think about the increase of refugees coming into the U.S. in in particular, and I think there's also some in Canada and other places in North America. Can you share with us a couple of things that we as individuals can do to prepare? 
Uh, you can learn the lawyer's method. It's my friends, I call it a best practice on reaching Buddhists. It's not the only method but uh, to reach Buddhists, but I'd, I'd say it's one of the most successful ones. And uh, you go to my website, justobeyjesus.com, and, and you look up the lawyer's method. We list the eight barriers for why Buddhists are not coming to Christ. And uh, somebody said to me you know, recently, before I went to Nepal, they said, well, that will only work with Burmese Buddhists or the Theravada Southern Buddhists, but it won't work with the Tibetan Buddhists. Well, I took it to Nepal. It worked fine. <laughs> it's an effective method. It works with the hardcore uh, teaching of what Buddha taught was you must be 100% perfect. The Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path. The Four Noble Truths are um, suffering, you get, you get born, you get old, you sick, you die. You, there's reincarnation. And the reason why you have death, that first truth, is the second truth says you have sin. Mm. Uh, and Buddha said, sin is like a black fire burning inside of everybody. The third noble truth that Buddha taught was you must go to the place where there's no more sin and no more suffering. And he called that place Nirvana. The golden city of Nirvana is what they call it in Burma. Hmm. The fourth noble truth is the Eightfold Path, which says you must have perfect mind, perfect action, perfect, 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 perfect. you got to be absolutely 100% perfect for eons and eons and eons in order to get salvation, to get set free from that cycle of sin and suffering and go to a place where there is no sin and suffering called nirvana. As you were sharing, one of the things you said reminded me, um, you said that, you know, there were people that said that this method would only work where it was sort of originated. And that reminded me that, you know, there are people who have said that uh, certain methods of discipleship would only work in a developing country or that they would only work among particular ethnic groups or that they wouldn't work, say, in the United States or in Europe or anything like that. Have you found that, by and large, a method will work as long as God is active in it? Yes, and as long as people don't take too much pride in that method and uh, and say this is the only way to do it. <laughs> yeah. I've really been uh, burdened by a lot of people from the T for T and the Discovery Bible Study uh, veins of church planning movement kind of vision. They really are pushing, this is the only way to do it. This is the only way to do it. And I'm like, just focus on the principles, the general principles and the vision that God has given you. And there's lots of different ways to do it. You don't have to follow a formula. Uh, a lot of those people are too way too formula, formulaic is the word I would choose. You do need a formula. You do need methods, absolutely. But you don't have to copy somebody else's methods from somebody somewhere else. It's, it's, the Holy Spirit is going to guide us. We have to trust the Holy Spirit. And most people don't do that. Wow. That was, that was a powerful statement. Uh, for you, the listener, I'd like for you to remember that, that we need to trust the Holy Spirit. That I, I like to do it in our trainings. I have people like hold up their hands like they're doing a mantra and like close their eyes and repeat after me, trust the Holy Spirit, trust <laughs> the Holy Spirit trust because you don't trust the Holy Spirit. You get nervous and you, you want to go ask these best practices from everybody else. And you don't, you just don't tend to do that naturally. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Sometimes meeting new people is uncomfortable. And especially as we try and step out of our comfort zone and intentionally meet people from other cultures for a kingdom purpose, it can be hard to know what to do at first. If we wanted to meet some refugees or someone from another culture on their own turf, but we weren't sure about the first step, what's one thing you would recommend? Uh, learning the uh, lawyer's method for Buddhist and the camel method for uh, Muslim context. Uh, my friend Kevin Greeson developed that with a guy named Shahadat there in Bangladesh and some other Muslim background people. So just learning these best practices, you know, not just believing that they're the only way, but, you know, just 
learning and getting familiar with people who uh, did the trainings and and be ready to share the gospel, the good news with the uh, Muslims. Uh, there's another one, another resource called God's Unchanging Word. I think uh, Ravi Zacharias Ministries put that on on YouTube, and it's excellent, excellent training on how to reach Muslims. That's good. And for for those who are listening, we actually had Kevin Greason on the show a couple of months ago. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can find that at engagingmissions.com slash Kevin Greason. For you, does it ever feel natural to step out of your comfort zone? Um, no. <laughs> I went to Israel with my friend Sean Steckbeck, who you also had on your show. Uh-huh. Who is seeing uh, some significant fruit among Jews and Muslims in, in the land of Israel? And uh, I'm just like, Lord, why do you have me here? He brought me there to, you know, do some training with some of his people. And I'm like, seeing these massive cities, these new, you know, high tech cities there in Israel. I'm like, Lord, why, why am I here? But God, God trust the Holy Spirit that He brought me there and He used me. And and uh, Sean is seeing a lot more fruit. Wow, that's great. His trainees. Not just because of me, but because he's completely laser-focused on that job. Yeah, he certainly is. Is there a, an Internet resource, maybe some tool that you use that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? And it can it can be the one you recommended last time as well. Uh, Sean and I and Dr. George Patterson developed a website. Um, uh, we have a significant amount of resources on there. We want to get a lot more. Um, called JustObeyJesus.com. I got a lot of stuff on how to reach Buddhists, a lot of different um, other ways to reach Buddhists, a lot of other Buddhist stories that, you know, Buddhist stories that proclaim the gospel. Sean's got a lot of stuff on the healing on there about how to heal the sick without being weird. That's good. I, I and, like that. <laughs> um, George has a lot of stuff there on how to just you know reproduce small, tiny little flocks of, of house churches that just naturally multiply without being you know too much uh, admin and all this you know renting buildings and getting a high paid pastor. You know you don't have to do all that. You just got to obey Jesus. It's very simple. But we put too much uh, traditions and too many excuses on, on just simple child, simple childlike obedience to the commandments of Jesus. Okay. Very good. And the last time you were on the show, you recommended George Patterson's Church Multiplication Guide. Is there another book that you'd recommend for our listeners? Yeah, it's called uh, Train and Multiply uh, Curriculum. It's uh, 66 little different books. Uh, George tried to train people, you know, through theological books on how to be a pastor, and nobody would read it in Honduras where he was at, you know, 25 years ago. So he just started to do everything through cartoon books. So this is a decentralized uh, leadership training for house churches, leaders in rural areas primarily through cartoon books. And it's been translated uh, all around the world. It's called Train and Multiply. There's another version of it called uh, Paul Timothy Leadership Training, and um, we have that link on our website, Just Obey Jesus. Oh, that's great. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. Yeah, so, you know, it was there that uh, God started to cultivate this love and, and started to confirm the calling to go because I didn't even have any connections in India. I didn't even know where he was going to send me. So as I just continued to get on my knees and pray and said, Lord, if you can use me, then please just open up the door, Lord. Father, I'm willing to go because I see that in this world that you're number one priority for me and I want to I wanna do your will, Lord. I want to be in the center of it. So whatever it is, and, and you know what? God was faithful. He, he opened up a door, but I had to take that step of faith because, you know, not everything was there. Um, but each step of the faith, step of faith God would provide for my needs. As I was praying and saying, Lord, you put this passion in my heart to go to India and work with these kids living in the slums, but I don't have any connections. 
So, um, long and short, somebody uh, from a church that was friends with somebody from my church tried to connect me with a girl that was, I was single. And he said, oh, why don't you just connect? Maybe nothing will come out of this. So we connected and we actually went on an outreach together and I met up with her and her friends. So it wasn't an awkward, it wasn't, you know, just like a single date. I said, let's evolve it around the ministry. That's where my heart was. So we went to New York City and we did this thing called Don't Walk By. And it was one of the guys that was with her who happened to be an Indian guy. And I got talking and he said, yeah, I actually know some places out there. And he gave me some contacts and uh, one of them, which led to the place where I first ended up going to India, which was an orphanage. If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Now, Jay, we're just about done. Would you like to share with us maybe one last piece of advice and the best way for someone to connect with you? And then we'll say goodbye. Uh, BBBCPM at gmail.com. It uh, stands for Buddhist Background Believers Movement, Church Planning Movement. Uh, BBBCPM at gmail.com. Okay. Jay, again, thank you so much for being with Thanks us today. Fine. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.